inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Down to five on the play clock. Hands off to Jacob. Stutters to the right. Burst through the hole. 20, 25, 30. Nobody's going to catch him. 10. Ball game. 86 yards in overtime to walk it off for a second straight week. Touchdown, Raiders. Victory, Las Vegas. I have nothing to say. Oh, my goodness. Let's go home. <laughs> it's time for Cofield and Company. ESPN Las Vegas. It is Cofield and Company live from Twin Peaks and Henderson out on Eastern, your spot for Monday Night Football and all sporting action. It's a great spot to come watch games. I was here Friday watching the World Cup. Once they let you in. It was great. It was a great time. We were in here. We were watching the game. It was was packed. It was packed. Sure. Uh, Clamoring, people clamoring to get in here. Yeah, uh, to watch the game. So and I'm saying, standing room only, almost. Sure. And uh, it was a good time, a great time, I'm sure. Tomorrow for the game as well, as long as things turn out well for the United States, we'll get into that big matchup in the World Cup and so much more. But a reminder that we are down here at Twin Peaks through the game. We'll be down here hanging out with you guys, giving away prizes, some really good prizes tonight as we uh, get ready for. Colts and Steelers, you'll need, I think, a place like Twin Peaks with uh, some good scenery, some great food, some good people to hang around with uh, down here at Twin Peaks to get through a game like the Colts and Steelers. But I actually think it might be better than expected. We'll get into that game as well. And so much more as we roll through the show on a Monday. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. I guess the first thing to get to, Willie, is how are you? Doing good. Been a little bit of a hectic morning. Phone's been little. <laughs> My phone, like yours, has been blowing up, as they say. Um, but got through the weekend. Four-day weekend, realistically, for some people. I mean, people like us, where we're working constantly. But in, te- in terms of the holiday weekend, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, what is that? Well, there's this day where once a year, instead of all 365, once a year, everybody decides to be thankful, and then the other 364, they're just punks. That's true. Well, my Thursday, like, I'm not, look, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just pointing out the fact I had so many people this weekend, hey, I was Thanksgiving. I said, well, Thursdays are my busiest day. That's when we prepare all this stuff for Sunday, for our Sunday section. Right. So I was at the Raiders facility until about, you know, 10, 1030 at night, just kind of hanging out, writing. Good. So to me, it was a Thursday. Mm. That's, that's what it was. Watching some football, checking it out. Uh, and I know, look, a lot of people very much enjoy the holiday. I do. I had family that was angry because I usually go visit them during the during Thanksgiving and said, got to work. Can't do it. Yeah. You can't, what, can't you just miss practice? One? No. No. Practice. That's what you got to do. You got to go. Uh, so, yeah, it was, Thanksgiving was just a regular Thursday to me, but... Uh, my, I think my Thanksgiving was Friday, getting to watch uh, U.S. England here at Twin Peaks. I, uh, it, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I tuned in a little bit. Saturday, I was uh, paying attention to the Kansas State High School 5A Championship. Okay. Mill Valley versus Mays. That's real places? Yep. Okay. Our good friend Lauren at the front. Who I called a Zendaya lookalike, the hostess, her brother, top three dual threat quarterback. She was telling me about it weeks ago. I had checked, looked it up, checked it out. I was watching some highlights of him. 
bit of a badass. Going to Kansas State. Okay. They lost. All right, well, Kansas State has a big game coming up this week for the Big 12 title. I'm hoping, obviously, Kansas State wins to throw more chaos into the situation. Yeah. Uh, could be could be some very wild moments. Uh, of course, Michigan, the big win over Ohio State. We'll try to get into that as well uh, throughout the program today. Michigan, I, th- I think, even if they lose the Big 10 championship game is in to the postseason, I think Ohio State probably should be as well, but they probably... I don't know. We'll see how it works out. And if you come down to Twin Peaks tonight and see Lauren and she seats you and you fill out a raffle ticket while Mateo's here, put it in the bucket, you could win two tickets to the Pac-12 championship yeah. here at the Allegiant Stadium. I'm giving that away tonight. Big one. We'll see if USC can wrap up their potential postseason berth in that game. Of course, Raiders, uh, another big story, another victory for the Raiders uh, in Seattle yesterday, we heard the Cliffs coming back. Josh Jacobs with a massive game. He was already having a massive game uh, before he broke off the 86-yard run. I-, I thought some very positive signs, certainly for the Raiders, in terms of what they're trying to build, what they're trying to do. Back-to-back weeks with walk-off victories. Uh, only three teams have ever done that in overtime with a walk-off touchdown back-to-back weeks uh, in the history uh, of the NFL, which is pretty wild. Uh, some more, you know, Josh Jacobs made a ton of history. The team has made... Uh, some historic moves the last couple of weeks. The vibes are very good. Uh, I don't know what it means in the long run because I, I still don't think they have much of a chance of making a run to the playoffs because even if they went out, that's the crazy part of this. They could close the season on an eight-game winning streak and not make the playoffs. And then get mediocre draft. Of course. Of course. I, I mean, I think in the in the grand scheme of things, they are hurting themselves by winning. Yes, but Absolutely. But I know it. I know that fans, a lot of them, just want to watch victories. They just want to watch the team win. They get happy if a team wins, which I never understood when I was cheering for a team that was constantly in the uh, in the in the draft high up, and I would get so mad at other fans that just wanted to win games. They're like, "How stupid are you? You this is hurting your franchise long term. Why are you looking for instant gratification for something that will hurt you down the road?" But that's how people are. And, and I also think there is something to be said about what they are doing around the building in terms of building what they want to build for the future. Josh McDaniel said today he does not believe they would have won yesterday without the win last week because they got the confidence. They learned what, the, what it takes to win. They learned what they're doing works, and they turned into a win. So could that carry over to another season going down the road? Perhaps. The counterargument would be how many of these guys are actually going to be here next year? So is it really building anything if you're not going to have the same guys around? I don't know. So what that tells me is that they needed to win themselves to build their own confidence because they wouldn't have been able to do it on their own this week because they haven't been coached up properly. Well, he, what he was saying is that they are, they're, what they are seeing is that what they are teaching them will work if you do it properly. Oh, I see. Yeah. So that's kind of the argument that uh, they're making right now, which uh, is potentially okay, fair. Okay, so it's a 10, 11 week. We'll get into that. As well, later on, what the what the Raiders are doing, what this could mean for Josh Jacobs, because good lord, he is making himself a lot of money this season. Uh, whether it be here or somewhere else, that's the interesting debate. It's going to be a lot of money that he gets. Will it be here or somewhere else? Get into that question later on in the program. But we are just putting it off. The big news of the day: UNLV has moved on from Marcus Arroyo. We're going to have a lot of conversation about this throughout the show. Steve Cofield's going to come down and join us, uh, who is certainly around the program very much. Uh, a lot of people who have covered the team, a lot of people who have been around the team, Eric Harper, who made the decision, athletic director at UNLV, will join us later on in the program as well to explain his thought process uh, that went into this. 
a current player on the Rebels. Give us the take from the locker room coming up in a little bit as well. But the news comes down earlier today, just before they are slated to paint the cannon, which was interesting timing. Marcus Rowe has been fired. Now, I don't even know. There's so many different directions to go on this story. I think we can start now with the timing of the decision. I was under the thought process that they were not going to do this only because if you're going to do this, do it before the game. Oh, really? I thought that they would. if they were going to do a win or lose, you do it right after the game. So, uh, no, do it before. They've done before the, the last two coaches before this have been fired before the Reno game. Yeah. And the reason you do that, they were there was a very, very good chance they were going to win that game. Mm-hmm. Very good chance. Regardless of anything else, Reno's just a bad team. Yeah. So why, if you've already made the decision, if you can't save your job by winning, that means the decision was already made. So why Absolutely. not make it before the game? And especially, why do it right before you're painting, you're painting the cannon? That doesn't make any sense. But the decision is made. They move on. I actually don't think it's a terrible decision for a couple of reasons that we'll get into. Uh, but interesting timing today, certainly with the announcement. I'm sure that there are reasons that we can come up with on both sides as to, you know, but me personally, I just feel as if this is, I I just don't get it. And I can't wait till Eric Harper joins us on the show because the last coach to, to get this team to a bowl, Bobby Howe, he's ousted. You bring in Tony Sanchez because he's can bring in money. Obviously, he brings in the Fertitta complex. He improves to a five-win season. He's fired. You bring in Marcus Arroyo, pandemic hits, zero wins. Toss that season out if you want to. Um, Two-win season, then a five-win season. Yes, they went through a six-game losing streak. They also were without their starting quarterback and their running back for a time period. Um, I just – the problem is, is now what do you do? You're just going to – unless – this is the thing, and and you kind of said it. He had his mind made up. He knew what he was going to do. That means that he also has a list. And you better have some good contacts because – and I'm not knocking the hiring of Hauk. I'm not knocking the hiring of Sanchez or Arroyo. But unless you got something bigger than a coordinator or a high school coach or someone from the FCS – you're back to square one with the program that has been at the bottom of the barrel for decades. So now this team is, has to start completely over because the new regime's going to want to come in. They're going to have their recruits, their coaching staff, unless it turns around immediately, which history is showing that it just doesn't in this town. So I don't think that Deion Sanders is coming. I don't think that we're going to see, you know, Anybody with some of the big names that are being tweeted out there, I just don't see them coming to UNLV unless we they know something that we don't. Now, I have already been contacted by several former players. I know that a mutual friend of ours in the media has spoken to several boosters who said that they, that they, that they wouldn't be shocked if this comes down because there was personality conflict between uh, Arroyo and Harper already. It wasn't his guy anyway. It was Desiree's stepping stone to, to move on. I can hire a Power 5 guy, and then, you know, so she goes. Um, but who, who are you bringing in? You know, so I tweeted out three names, just just just, just the names. Um, 
because I know that there are several boosters, longtime boosters, who want former players to be considered. Randall Cunningham, Keenan McCardell, who's coach with the um, Minnesota Vikings, wide receiver coach, hello, Justin Jefferson, and Hunky Cooper, who, by the way, spoke with for about 20 minutes this morning. So I, I just don't know, Adam. I don't know which direction they're going. I don't know what Eric Harper's thinking. In ter- you know, hey, we, we're not in the business of running athletic departments, but you're right. He knew what he was doing before the Reno game, possibly before the Hawaii game. Number two, he's got to have a list because they're not hiring a firm. They're not hiring a search firm for a program that has a multi-million dollar football complex who many have said one of the best, if not the best, on the West Coast and an NFL stadium to play in. Well, if you don't need a search firm, you better have, I guess you have somebody in mind. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of layers to this. We'll get into quite a bit of them. I will... We'll, we'll discuss this more and more as the show goes on. I will say this. Before we hear from Eric Harper and, and what went into this decision and why it went on, and uh, our good friend Paloma is joining us a couple minutes here as well to talk about this, how much did it have to do with on the field? <laughs> exactly. And how much was off the field? That, that's a great question. Which I think is one of the biggest questions. Because mm-hmm. Eric Harper today kind of said – some things about the program wasn't going in the right direction. I I have my own feelings about the job that Marcus Rowe did here. I I will tell you, in terms of on the field, I think they were going in the right direction. So I think it's I think there's a lot of layers to this all the time. Uh, whenever a decision like this is made, and relationships are very important. And sometimes if you don't build relationships and you don't focus on that and you don't care and you alienate people then you don't have as much leeway in terms of wins and losses. And we'll get into a lot of the reasons, everything that went into this. We'll get into the reaction around the program, where they go next. So many different layers through this story. Uh, And, of course, more on the Raiders uh, and their big victory, two straight wins. VGK right now going in the opposite direction. So uh, we'll get into everything going on uh, around the world of sports in Las Vegas. But a lot of talk today about UNLV and the future of the program Marcus Arroyo fired. What next for UNLV? Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Now the entire game boils down to this play with 11 seconds left. Trips to the left, one man wide right. Here's the snap. Cox goes back to throw, looking for the end zone, and the pass is incomplete. It's incomplete. Jonathan Baldwin broke it up, and the Rebels are going to win this game. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Yes, that's right. We are back. Adam Hill and Willie Ramirez at Twin Peaks. It's uh, the Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's the Hill and the Homies edition on a big, big Monday. Raiders coming off that walk-off win, but as we mentioned in at the top, the big news of the day in Las Vegas, Marcus Arroyo out as UNLV coach and someone who's been with the program in and out every single day. Of course, she does her weekly show, and uh, nobody really does it better than Paloma Viacana. Paloma joining us now on the show. Paloma, how are you? Good. Busy. (laughs) Busy, but I'm good. Uh, Busy day here in Las Vegas. But, um, yeah, a lot to get to with 
you know, Marcus Arroyo being fired early this morning, Eric Harper uh, making that decision, telling us that, you know, Arroyo's overall performance, his 0-6 record, 2-10 last year, and now 5-7 and uh, just wasn't in the direction they want to go with. So um, just based on his overall three-year record, um, you know, they're, they're moving on, they're moving forward, and they're currently looking for their new guy right now. Yeah, and one of the things I, I thought was interesting that Harper said was that it, I believe, and I, somebody tweeted it out, one of, one, of, one of you that were on it or, or on the coverage, I believe he said that he was asked if, if this was a, a decision that he had in his mind, I believe before the Hawaii game, somebody asked maybe, or if he knew, or he said no, it was done after and looked at the overall performance. Well, in my opinion, if it's an overall performance, the last two games, one and one in the last two, did not like, well, that's it. We just, that, that sort of triggered the overall. You already had this in your mind that the overall performance was not satisfactory in your eyes. It didn't take a, a season-ending win that got the Fremont Cannon back. It didn't take the loss in Hawaii. You already knew if it was an overall performance, correct? Well, he did mention that, you know, people asked him, did you want to fire him after the Hawaii game? Was that, you know, uh, the decision-maker? And he said no. He said, you know, we started the season off 4-1, and one, then uh, for six weeks, they stalled, you know, they lost six games, six straight games in the middle of the season. And then he mentioned that they barely beat Reno, a game that they struggled in, barely beating Reno. When he said that, that made me think, okay, you know, sure they won the cannon, but maybe Harper was saying they could have also lost that game too in the final seconds. Uh, you know, they, they definitely, the Rebels no doubt struggled, um, you know, against Reno. And that's the worst team in the Mountain West. And to, to barely beat Reno, I know they, they brought the cannon home and a win is a win, um, but maybe Harper could have smelled, you know, maybe more, you know, starting the 2023 season off with four losses or three losses or six losses. Um, and I, I feel like if you're, you're going to rip the Band-Aid off, you might as well rip it off now, then go into next season with, with uncertainty if this guy's going to win. So I guess just now it's you know we're we're still processing what happened today that Marcus Roy was fired that it was on the day that they were painting the cannon that they were coming off a win. First of all, I love the you barely beat Reno because that's something I say all the time. It's not just wins and losses; it's how you look and how you perform. But I'm always told no, it's just wins and losses. That's it. I, I love the you barely beat them. That's a that's a hilarious statement to me. Uh, but how will you how will you kind of contextualize the Marcus Arroyo era as a whole? How it went from a COVID year where they did nothing. Uh, where they were able to beat no one to starting to build up a little bit to this year being four and one and looking like you're on the verge of a, a breakout season. How will you kind of contextualize how this went as a whole? Um, I feel like I feel like Coach Royal was really trying, and and it, I mean it proves the numbers. You go zero and six, you go two and ten, you go five and seven. You bring up um, you know record breaking recruiting classes. You bring up the GPA. You know it, it's all positive um, coming out of a Royal, but. I think what Harper mentioned today and just, you know, Las Vegas becoming a global sports town with Formula One, with the Raiders, with the Golden Knights, with the Aces, um, you know, they want to win championships. And he just felt like they, they weren't going to win a championship with Coach Arroyo. So um, how would I recap Arroyo's, Arroyo's career? I would say 
you know, he was dealt bad cards with, with COVID, but so was everyone else in the country. You know, we, we were all dealt, we were all on the same page. And, you know, there's a ton of first-year head coaches that were dealing with COVID. So, um, you know, as as much as we want to use COVID as an excuse, you know, there were other, I mean, look at San Jose State. They won the, the, they won the Mountain West Championship during COVID. And, you know, there was still a national championship played during COVID. So, um, you know, as much as we want to hang our hat on COVID, you know, we all still had to work through it. So um, one thing I know is that, you know, the players loved him. Absolutely. Aiden Robbins and Doug Brumfield and Harrison Bailey catching up with the guys today. You know, the players told me they were devastated. You know, Coach Royal could barely spit out words to them this morning in their meeting just because, um, you know, he was so emotional. So there's no doubt the players loved him, um, that the coaching staff, you know, loved him. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who fills that spot, who can bring a championship to Las Vegas as, as UNLV tries to keep up uh, with the other major sports teams in town and, and try and pack Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, I, I happened to be texting with Marcus just before that meeting, and he respectfully uh, declined an interview, but I had to take a shot, you know, obviously. I mean, it's it, it makes sense to ask with immediacy rather than waiting as it's simmering. Um, and he was about to go into that meeting, and you could just tell from a couple of the replies that it was, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise, and he, and he was disappointed. My question to you is, with ups, as upset as the players were, and you've gotten to know a lot of them, you've done a lot of very personal stories on them um, this year, is... How many are sticking around? That, that's, that's what we'll see. Because the thing is that Royal has over like 25, 30 transfers in his program. So my thing is, all right, so do those transfers stick around or do they transfer somewhere else? Um, one thing that is going to be interesting is just trying to see the top guys like, you know, Aiden Robbins and Doug Bromfield and, um, some of the guys on defense to see if, if they stick around. But um, it's hard It's hard because these players, they've had uh, so much growth and success with Coach Royal this year, thinking of just Aiden Robbins off the top of my head, surpassing a 1,000 a thousand rushing yards. You know, they've had so much success. So it's almost like, you know, they were starting to build something with him, and then you just pull the rug out. So, um, you know, I, I'm interested to see. As far as, you know, Doug Brumfield transferring, I, I'm not sure if he will just because he was injured so much this year and, um, you know, he wasn't, you know, 100% most of the year. So um, it'll be it'll be an interesting offseason, and then you have early signing period coming up, and then, of course, the transfer portal. So um, this is going to be a very interesting offseason. I remember last year was an interesting offseason with a transfer portal, but now with a new head coach, um, we'll see what players – come in and come out of this program so we talked about kind of building up the victories uh the players obviously have a very good relationship with their coach how important are relationships with the coach and other people in the community not only on campus uh but just around town and to be you know personable and i guess Mm -hmm. how important is that to keeping your job potentially and i'm trying to speak delicately yeah i mean coach Royal was definitely um, you know, hard to warm up to, I would say, you know, and I think it's just because the 0-6 start, the 2-10 and 10 season, um, I felt like he had his guard up a lot. He definitely had his guard up a lot around the media, around the community. Um, you know, I barely saw him out in the community doing community events or, you know, you know, just random stuff that I see around the community, like 
I don't know, throwing the first pitch out at the Aviators game, just stuff like that, you know. Um, I barely saw him involved in the community. So um, I don't know if that's at the top of the list of Eric Harper's to do, you know, be a, a community guy. But I do know it is hard to relate to um, someone if you can't meet them, see them, take pictures with them, get to know them, get to know their family, um, you know, especially for – I know he had a strong relationship with his players, but, you know, to the fan base, I'm sure the fan base wanted to get to know him more, um, you know, and wanted to get to know uh, or get to see him out in the community a little bit more. And that's why, you know, we connect so well with other coaches who are, who are really personable in the community um, just because they're out there making an effort trying to meet people. Well, and, and to that point, Paloma, you know, I, I know we talked about this the other day, you and I and, and Chris and Brian on the uh, pre-pre, um, in that before the season, his first season, the only issue I ever had with Marcus Arroyo was off the field before we met because I had been told through someone close with the program that he had sort of vetted on his own the local media. And, and he, what he had done is a lot of research on who was covering the program on a regular basis, reading those articles, and getting a vibe as to who he felt sort of wrote anti-UNLV. So he already sort of had that guard up, as you said. And he already knew that coming to a community where the program was, you know, looked at the way that it's been looked at, and the fan base had sort of turned on it for obvious reasons. But I never disregarded him as a coach. And then once I got to know him, it was a completely different story. And we both have been on the same page with one another. And I've never been shy about that. I've never said anything negative about him as a coach. It was just that I had always said, hey, you're coming to a new town, dude. You better warm up to the people that are going to yeah. be covering you and tweeting about you and talking about you and so on and so forth. And I was always up front. But yeah. we've never had – he's never had any disrespect for me. I've never had any disrespect for him. And it's gotten to the point where we've had lots of off-the-record conversations. My question yeah. to your point about being out in the community is how many times has he been invited or actually asked out for that? I know he was asked to spin the spire or to turn the siren. He did it once. Um you know, he's a very guarded person, so when you start turning those things down in the first year and you reach out to the PR department and it's like, ah, he won't do that. No, he won't do that. And you're told that multiple times. You're going to stop asking the sports information department mm-hmm. and requesting him to do it because he, cause they just automatically say, no, he won't do that. So we right. don't know if he, if he, what he would have been done during the second and third year. I have talked to him several times this year about – the rumors coming out, well, if he gets to a bowl, he's gone. He's going to go to a Power Five. He, he told me several times, like, Willie, I want to raise my daughter here. I love the community. I love being here. So whether or not that's a lip service, but the bottom line is, is, is anybody going to him and asking him or talking to him directly, or are they going through sports information that's being told he won't talk, he won't give an exclusive? Yeah, I mean, it was hard for him to come on to the red zone, you know, and I think that, that plays in part of just him and, you know, trying to win football games and maybe you're so focused on winning football games and, you know, just focusing on the X's and O's, but, you know, half of your job is also, you know, reaching out to people and saying, hey, you know, if I, if I want to change this program and if I want to, you know, put this program in the right direction, you know, I need to make sure that I'm doing, you know, my part too is whatever you need, you know, do you want to do this interview? Do you want to come into the studio? You want to bring your players into the studio? Um, you know, that's, that's also half your job too. I mean, look how much media Nick Saban does. Look how much media you know, Lincoln Riley does, you know, all the sit-down interviews they do, all the one-on-ones, all the extra stuff, 
you know, they do that so that they can put their, their program in the spotlight and continue to have a good relationship with everyone. And, you know, I, I, I thank Marcus Royo for being on my show and, you know, for, for everything he's done. But, um, you know, that's, that's just something that, you know, you, you need to take account for is that it's so much more than, than the X's and O's and the highlights and the football game. You know, you have a job to play as, as a member in the community and, um, you know, I, I'm interested to see who, who replaces him, but that's definitely something about this UNLV fan base is, you know, they're so passionate. They want to get to know uh, their coach and they, they want to see their coach out in the community and they want to, you know, be able to, to be active with, with UNLV football and, and see some more wins. So we'll see what's next for UNLV. Uh, that's that's the question we're leading to. We'll let you get out of here. But what is next? Where, where do they go? Not necessarily who are they hiring, but what are they looking for? Well, Eric Harper said consistency, consistency. Um, you know, he wants to see someone that wins games consistently and, and is going to bring a championship here to Las Vegas. And I feel like the pressure is on at UNLV. You have the Golden Knights, you have the Raiders, you have the Aces. There's so much going on in this city now on a given night um, that the pressure is on at UNLV to, to keep up and perform and, and to win championships. Um, and they're not going to take losing seasons anymore. So, um, coming from from Eric Harper, I mean, the search is on. He didn't say he didn't give us any names or you know, kind of you know, point us in the right direction. But there's a lot of head coaching positions open right now. Um, heading into this off season, there's probably like 11 or 12 at least um, open. So we'll see who comes to to. Uh, you and all these people were throwing around Gary Patterson, uh, the former TCU head coach. I would be, you know, all for that, but I don't know if he's going to go back into to head coaching. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see who he picks up, and um, we'll see. You know, the the pay they're going to pay them. I know Eric Harper said they're a top three um, school in the Mountain West when it comes to compensation. So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what what name they grab and i feel like it'll happen soon it's got to happen soon just because of recruiting early signing period the transfer portal um i feel like the decision will be made in in the next week or so there you go we'll stay tuned we'll check that out what do you have coming up that people should follow uh on social and uh, on fox 5 yeah i mean the red zone the red zone's always it'll be it'll be a big red zone this sunday with so much going on yeah. Now Marcus coming on. Marcus coming on Sunday. And UNLV basketball, and um, now with you know the the UNLV football head coach search. So there's always go. There's always a ton of stuff on the Red Zone. We always have a lot of fun. So Kevin Kruger will be back in studio with me, and we're jumping into basketball season. Pretty good news on that side. They're they're rolling. That's good. <laughs> good to follow there. Uh, we thank you. Follow up on Twitter as well at Paloma Viacano. We thank you. We'll see you soon. See you guys. Bye. Good stuff from her. We've got a lot coming up about the UNLV uh, football situation. Uh, we'll hear from a player. We'll hear from Eric Harper. Steve Cofield will be up here uh, in just a little bit as well, hanging out with us down at Twin Peaks on Henderson. Your spot. Come on out. Watch Monday Night Football with Willie Ramirez. It's the thing everybody wants to do. I highly recommend it. Come check it out. Watch the game on a Monday night. Twin Peaks in Henderson. Get over to Twin Peaks in Henderson for Monday Night Football. Awesome food and drink specials. Plus, Cofield and Company's Willie Ramirez will have plenty of great prizes you can win. It's Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Someone that's going to obviously continue our recent success academically, but someone that's you know is going to bring in a championship mindset to what we need to do. We want to be better than we are today. 
and that coach that comes in will have head coaching experience. That is a big key. It's a learning curve. Uh, but I think at the same time, having someone that's going to be focusing on academics, focusing on winning championships, focusing on the student-athlete experience at such a level that we've never seen before. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Lofty aspirations. Leave it to Ari to put Holly Jolly Christmas with. Sure. With the uh, yeah. exiting press Post conference. Post Thanksgiving, that's when you start focusing on Christmas, I think. That's what people tell me. Mm. Not a big Christmas person, but. Uh, well, you'll, I be, hear you'll be at the Raider facility. On Christmas? Well, Christmas. What day is e- a fall on? They play on Christmas Eve, so they're going to have. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have so press you, conference on Christmas. Right. Yeah. Nice. Good. Mandatory press conference. Good. I like it. There's only one thing that could probably soften you up for Christmas. That's like your your nephew. Your yeah, but I'll be around them. That's so. what I'm saying. Yeah. You'd have to be around them to be. Yeah, for sure. And I got to see uh, see them last week. Got to go watch some uh, youth basketball. That was fun. Uh, some very very solid defensive play. Didn't score much. Stuff. I saw Six. it on the story. Lockdown defender. Yeah, lockdown yeah, defender. That's sure. what it was. Lockdown for defender. sure. That uh, was the caption. Put a little acon locked up with the uh, with his. Uh, with his fantastic play, but yeah, for sure, it is uh, it's Christmas season. We're counting it down. Not Christmas time around the UNLV program, though. It is uh, time for changes uh, with UNLV. Uh, so much more on the change coming up, but uh, we will get into more of uh, what could happen next. Until we ask Paloma, where where do they go next? Uh, she mentioned one name in Gary Patterson. I know he's been thrown around. I know the name Deion Sanders has been thrown around. You're not buying that one. No, I'm not. I, I believe more into either a just based off of phone calls that I've heard taken um, that a former player, I just don't know which one. But Brian Harson makes a lot of sense just because he knows the conference well. He's had success in the conference, um, fired after his second season at Auburn, but he went 69 and 19 in seven seasons at Boise State and obviously took them to the AP Top 25 poll. So he's had success in this conference. Um, he would be an interesting, and he might be interested in coming back now that UNLV has the facility and, and plays in the NFL stadium and, and knowing what he can do to recruit to get back to those ties. So that name somewhat is not more intriguing to me than Gary Patterson and Deion Sanders. So Realistic, what, I should say. More realistic. I'll say this, and I, th- I think – you know, one of the things I heard about Dion, I know that's what the fans want right now. It seems to be a pretty general consensus. That's who the fans want. Uh, that doesn't always mean that's the best choice or what's going to happen, but that's, uh, I know from my Twitter feed and from emails and texts that I've gotten, uh, it seems to be almost overwhelming. Uh, and oftentimes when there is an overwhelming consensus for somebody, it's probably not the way that, that things are going to work out. Uh, but you said just right out, it's not happening. No, I, I don't think so because. Here's the thing. He, he goes to, to Jackson State, right? And he's building that program. The promises he's made to the parents, the recruits, to be there, to build up, right, in the historic black college conference. I mean, I just don't see him leaving to come to UNLV. If he's going to leave and sort of abandon what he started, it's going to be for a Power Five. I don't see him coming to just start rebuilding a program that's arguably – Probably plays has played worse over the past several decades, like collectively, than a lot of those schools in that conference. What he has done for that conference in terms of recruiting and national spotlight and bringing his presence there, I just don't see why he why like what what 
What does it do for him? What What's he going to get out of it? Are you going to offer him a blockbuster contract? If that's the case, he's probably going to get one from a Power 5 school with the number of openings you are. I mean, look at the openings. Cincinnati, Colorado, Georgia Tech, Stanford. Those, those, are, those are Power 5s. Hires have been made at Arizona State, Auburn, Nebraska, Wisconsin. But I'm just saying... If you're going to leave that school, that conference, with what your purpose was, why are you coming to UNLV? Well, Georgia Tech makes sense to me, being in Atlanta. Uh, but I also, I'll say this. It looks like Dion is set to take the Colorado job. Now, I had somebody from Denver, a close friend, reach out and say, honestly, right now, if you're Dion Sanders, Colorado or UNLV? And I don't think there's any question you take UNLV over Colorado. If those are your choices, yeah. Some, now, some of the other, uh, some of the other ones out there, as you said, Georgia Tech makes that like Dion is an icon in Atlanta. He's an icon everywhere, but right, an icon in Atlanta. That mm-hmm. program has had success in the past. You know, I'm sure that's something you think you can jump into. But I also think, like, if you're saying Colorado or UNLV, which is the two, you know, UNLV is the fans here want. Colorado is the one that everybody thinks he's taking. But I think in those two cases, the path is there to make UNLV a power sooner than it is at Colorado right now. I just think it is. And I, I do feel like there is something to be said about doing it for the first time, coming into Allegiant Stadium, running it, and just taking this program to a new level with some of the influx of money and prestige and everything that can come in here. So we'll see. I'm interested to see what happens with Dion. I don't think it would necessarily be the best choice. I think it's an uphill battle uh, to try to build. But I also feel like it's a challenge that he might embrace, and especially being in Las Vegas and everything that has that this job has to offer now that it didn't five years ago could make it possible and we'll monitor what happens with him and his decision and all the possible candidates at UNLV but we want to hear a player's perspective uh, find out what's going on around the program what some of the thoughts are uh, we'll do that next coming up ESPN Las Vegas Cofield and Company Hill and Homies edition follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Seven seconds, pulled away by Kessel. He lost it, bounces right, extra pass. Miller alone in front, score! With .1 on the clock. Bo Horvat finished it off. And it's the fifth goal for Vancouver. Their third of the period. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company down here at Twin Peaks on this Monday. Tons of UNLV to still get into as we move through the program. Uh, a lot of Raiders talk as well coming off the two back-to-back victories. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? What does it say about what they are learning in this process under Josh McDaniels? Uh, and so much more. But we can get to the Golden Knights, and actually they're on here as we sit in Twin Peaks up on the uh, NHL Network. They're discussing the Golden Knights right now. They'll be in action in just a little bit. Four o'clock. That game will be on down here too. So if you want to watch both football and hockey, what better place to do it? But Golden Knights looking to break out of a little bit of a slump here. And I think, you know, these things happen. We talked you know last week during a little slump and they bounced back out of victory. Uh the key over a course of a long season, uh, especially for a team like the Golden Knights that expects to win their division, expects to be there at the end is not to let a two-game losing streak turn into a six-game losing streak. Don't let a three-game losing streak turn into an eight-game losing streak. Put your, you know, put put your uh, skates in the ice and stop yourself. Like I can't do. I can't stop when I'm skating. I can keep going and then hit the wall. Uh, you got to you got to dig in and just say let's stop this skid right here. And we'll see if they're able to do that. 
But I think that is that is kind of the big key uh, over the course of a long season to just say we're not going to let these things turn into long, long losing streaks. Yeah, and I mean the best thing about this team is the experience, the veteranism, if you will, and you know, and Bruce Cassidy staying on top of things, and, and that they have identified what it is. Like everybody's like, "What's wrong with the forecheck? It's broken!" Oh my gosh, they forgot it. They identified that's the problem. The good thing is that they're experienced enough players that they will fix it and it will change. Let's not forget him pointing out that they played three games in four days with the only day off being Thanksgiving. They were at home with their families. That can be a side distraction. I don't don't care what anybody has to say about that. They, They may think that that's not important and it's more about the analytics or it's more about their performance on the ice or it's more about expected that or whatever it is. But the fact is, when you are at home over a holiday like Thanksgiving and you're playing three games in four days and you're playing teams that, by the way, you know, they're coming in with their own mission. They catch them off guard. They punch them in the mouth early. They've identified what it is. I think this road trip is the best thing that could happen to them during a a little slump like this because they'll get back to the basics. They'll get back to their fundamentals and they'll play the way that that we know that they're going to play. What do we expect them to go? 82 and 0? They'll be fine. For sure. I I think that's the case and we'll see if they're able to bounce back. And look, if it's not tonight, again, just don't don't go on the road and let it carry over. I know Jack Eichel talked before uh, last game after they had lost uh, the first of the back-to-backs and said, "Hey, we've we've got a road trip coming up. We want to we want to make sure we go into it with some positive momentum." But I think you can also generate it on the road, as you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but again, I think right now you're still comfortably atop the standings uh, in the division, and nobody behind you is necessarily playing out of their minds. You know, the Kings lost again last night, and. Uh, they're not they're not panicking nobody's panicking and they shouldn't be but you start to look and say okay like these are there's going to be lulls like this you're not going to be playing at that level every night it's kind of on a side note what i say about uh unv basketball of the way that they play which is so intense it is insane how yeah, we talked about, unbelievably yeah. intense they are yeah it is physically and mentally impossible to do that every night it just yeah. is yeah and there's going to be a time when you let down you can't let one game let down turn into two three four game let down like, it's going to happen. And then you have to use that to say, all right, stop this, get back to what we do, and do it. And we haven't seen them ha- that happen yet, but it will. It'll happen. It always happens. And so we'll see if the, the Golden Knights can also uh, kind of stop this stop this in, in its tracks and, and not let it turn into something more. The funny thing about, ironic thing maybe, um, the last time they took a trip back east, it was for five games. They were in the midst of a long win streak, and they won every single game. They finished in Buffalo, a very emotional game for Jack Eichel. They play four games on the road, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Detroit, the final game, very emotional game for Bruce Cassidy. It's at Boston. So another game where you kind of get up for for one another. You're playing for one another, as, as they said, you know, um, this is just one of those games. And, you know, when I did the story on Eichel last week, um, it, it gave me a little bit of a sit down just in, in that he's uh, it, it came out on Thanksgiving and that he was thankful in getting back to having fun on the ice. And one of the things he talked about was the camaraderie of traveling with guys and bonding with them. So, you know, a lot of that, you know, it brings these guys back to juniors and, you know, the back to their travel days. I mean, now they're millionaire professionals. But like I said, this might be the best for them to get on the road. And, and 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 remind them that the business as usual. Get away from home for a minute. Get refocused for when they come back for a three-game homestand, which isn't going to be easy. Rangers, Flyers, Torts, and the Bruins with the return date.
There you go. Big trip coming up. See how much they're able to get out of this trip. Often we talk about however many games you have. You want to get at least one point for each of those games, especially on these road trips. And uh, that's how you kind of stay afloat and then win your games at home. Now, they're not doing that right now. Kind of struggling at home a little bit. But uh, the road is where they've had a ton of success. We'll see if they can keep that going. Uh, We mentioned a player's perspective on the UNLV decision today to move on from Coach Marcus Arroyo. Uh, Adam Plant, a local, a a true star out on the field. I, I was actually with a friend at the game the other day. I said, watch number seven play. He is awesome. We'll, talk, we'll hear from him, see what he thinks about the decision next.